This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, podcast where we delve into those frustrating moments of some well-known people. I'm Jim Daly. This is Giles Paley-Phillips. And Giles, we're back after our summer break. We are. Yeah. Did you have a good one? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, went to Edinburgh. Oh yeah, had to did go. First. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was, it was, it was all right. Tiring, uh, but lots of fun. Some really nice audiences. Show got better each day, which was good. And uh, yeah, loads of fun, but sort of come back and... Have to recover for a little bit. Yeah, and I course. didn't even do the full run; just did ten days. I know uh, people that out there is, uh, did. Yeah, it's a full-on thing, isn't it? For yeah. the I have to admit, I've never been, but I've, you should, well, you should definitely go. Mm. Yeah, you'll love. One it. day it will happen. One day. Um, how was your summer? Good, nice. Yeah, we did a bit of camping and just chilling out with the family, really. So yeah, doing a bit of writing. I've um, taken to. I've got a manuscript. Yeah. And I've taken to carrying it around with me in my bag. Okay. As a sort of penance to finish it. <laughs> okay. It weighs a ton. It's is like that... 300 odd pages of wow. manuscript. Is that working? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, any uh, writers out there, a little tip. Just uh, torture yourself by carrying around a massive manuscript. Also, I think it probably makes you look quite interesting as well. Man with a manuscript in his bag. <laughs> so Who is this mysterious man? With his, with his folder of pages. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd be interested. Anyway, um, so anyway, this week's guest, our first guest back after our summer break, is the legendary Ed Byrne. Ed Byrne, who I'm a massive fan of, yeah, been you know, going back a few years now. I think he's been sort of on the comedy circuit for years and years, and uh, still, you know, well up there as being one of the UK's top, top comedians. Yeah, f- had a really good career. Massive, massive, well, brilliant career. Um, you know, famous face from TV, does a lot of TV yep. as well. Well known. Um, and yeah, and as it turns out, 
passionate guy about comedy, really nice guy, yeah. and we had a very interesting yeah, chat lovely about his chat with him life. down at um, Nordic. Yeah, which we should caveat by saying that the the bar was getting ready. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah. So it was a little bit clattery and clunky. A bit so of ambience. Yeah, but hopefully that kind of adds to it. Really, almost oh, like yeah. we're in a sort of. A busy comedy bar. We could be in the green room at the comedy exactly, store. Exactly, exactly. We could before Ed's about to go on. Yeah, we could have said that, couldn't we? Probably should have said that instead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. never mind. Nordic's very nice. The Nordic Nordic bar is yeah. lovely, and thank you very much for hosting us as per. I think we should just delve in. We this should one. really, yeah, yeah, because there's loads to talk about. Lots of comedy chat. Exactly. So this is Ed Byrne on the Blank Podcast. <laughs> Nice and relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? Good, apart good, from today. Good. Apart from just yeah. trying to get into London, just the simple stress of absolute everyday ordinary life, uh, I'm fine. But that's you know that's where that's where I draw most of my inspiration from. Exactly. I'm probably just trying to get here may well give me two or three minutes. Yeah. You, know? you almost need days like this. Every time I get my luggage lost by an airline. Yeah. I just get a, I, I get a sense of ugh, now that I just don't care anymore because I had for years, I did a routine about having my luggage lost by an airline that stood me in really good stead. You know, it worked. It was one of those accessible bits that worked at corporate yeah, yeah. gigs and just, you know, when everything else was going wrong, it was, you know, it just, I was able to, you, and I remember doing it at the Montreal Comedy Festival and it was like the first Just for Last Festival after 9-11. So there was all stuff about like security questions, stuff like that, that I'd been doing for years over here yeah. because we'd had, you know, security yeah. threats and terrorist threats for a long time. So I looked, I had this box fresh routine about <laughs> increased security. You know. So cutting so, edge. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had all this, it, it was, and it ended up being a 10 minute routine. It was a lovely thing and it circled back on itself. It was all, you know, to do with the questions they asked before you get on the plane and how then at the end, it's like, I wish I'd asked them those questions before I got on the plane. Like, you know, are, are my bags getting on the plane? Are you packing the plane yourself? Will, <laughs> yeah, exactly. will you leave my bags unintended? You know, so it just worked really, really well. And it just all came out of having had my luggage lost like three or four times in a row by Aer Lingus. So now every time I get my luggage lost, I just shrug and go, I've done quite well <laughs> yeah. out of lost luggage, to be honest. I was almost <laughs> over that one. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'd like... Adversary, not adversary, that's not the right word, is it? Adversary. adversary. It's the right word. Yeah. It's the right word, you're just not pronouncing it correctly. You said it in a very yeah. flamboyant way. I was looking you're at not, you as well, adversary. You're not um, pronoun <laughs> thing <laughs> it <pronoun> correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of it in my head now. But that's good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any time anything happens, like I remember oh, like about four years ago when I was writing the show, it was called Roaring Forties, and uh, and... And I had severe pain in my abdomen and looked like I had a third ball. And, and I talked to my little brother. I said, is this a hernia? Because he'd had one. He said, yeah, that's a hernia. And I, well, I better go to the hospital. And straight away, I'm thinking, it's got to be 10 minutes in this. Yeah, yeah. It's be. And there was. It was a good 10 minutes in having a hernia. You know. That's a horrible hernia. My no, not it. nice at all. No. Where, and you got operated, obviously. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. And, and it, was, it, it, just, it was gifted. Like the conversation I had with the doctor beforehand because he said weird things. Like, one of the things he said to me was, uh, obviously what he meant to say was, um, when you wake up, you'll, you'll feel like you've been punched in the stomach. But his exact words were, when you wake up, you'll feel like 
I've punched you in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the specific, it, it could, yeah. you know, it just made me go, okay, <laughs> you, you won't have it. Yeah, there was just a level of threat, <laughs> you know. And so I said, you won't have though, right? And then he joked, he sincerely, he yeah. went, no, I won't. No, let's try and get off the table. <laughs> so, we uh, were talking about this the other week, actually, about coming round after an operation. Mm. And that, you know, the heavy drug days that you're in. Did you enjoy yeah. that bit? Uh, no. No, I wasn't. I don't think I felt that heavily drugged when I came round. Um, I did a whole thing about being put to sleep, though. Oh, okay. Which yeah, yeah. caused, I think, it, over the course of the 150 dates I did around the world, I caused about 13 people to faint. Wow. Wow. Always, yeah, 13 people, always middle-aged men. Is that always a fainted. Of a good gig? If you it's <laughs> it, was, it became quite distracting, but I started looking out for it because it always seemed to happen at the same point. And then I'd say to the audience, like, oh, that's... This is weird. This always happens. And it's, it's at the point where I've described what a hernia is and then I'm talking about the anaesthetist and, and, and an interaction I had with the anaesthetist. Yeah, yeah. Because the anaesthetist is about to push the plunger on the, on the anaesthetic and she's, she's chatting. They don't just make you count backwards. They engage you in conversation. Yeah. And then they, that's how they know when you yeah. fall asleep. So she goes, um, she asked me what I did for a living and I said I'm a comedian. And then the nurse went, yeah, I thought it was you. <laughs> and I went, well, I hope you knew it was me because my name's on the yeah. form. So, you know, if you, know, if you really thought it was me, you're not paying enough attention. Yeah. And then the, the anesthetist was like, uh, like suddenly felt left out. It was like, oh, are you what? Are you, are you famous or something? Like that kind of thing. And I'm like, I'm on the TV, sort of. And she goes, oh, what's the name of the TV show you're on? She's, what's the name of the TV show you're on? But she said it as she was pushing the plunger. And I just went, and I I said, uh, I don't think I could answer that question. (laughs) Which, as I said, said, which is actually more words than just saying mock the week. And I I went out. But it it, it struck me that nothing says, I don't care what the name of the TV show you're on. Like asking, what's the name of the TV show you're on? As you're putting someone to sleep. It's like, it's like rolling up your window as you're asking someone directions. It's like, yeah. like you, you, know, do you that don't look in, like you know. In boring conversations. Yeah. yeah. Someone, I don't really yes, count. I'm just, just going to put you to sleep as I ask this. Yeah. Massive barbiturates into you. Yeah. <laughs> but I would tell the story and it was always at that point, I'd say one in 15, one in 20 gigs, there'd be a bit of a kerfuffle. I'm going, is everything all right? No, someone's fainted. And then I'd, I, if I could, I'd get to them at the interval and see how they were. Yeah. And every time without fail, it was a middle-aged man who swore it had nothing to do with what I'd said. I said, oh no, I just I didn't have anything before. You know, yeah. you fainted at exactly the same point mm, yeah. that the other guy fainted. You know. <laughs> it was like a trigger, sort of a sort of trigger. Yeah, thing. I think it's something the in their thing, life. The needle and 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 the mention earlier of of what a hernia is. And yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people Weird. don't like the the anaesthetic type thing. I, don't, mm. I think people are okay with operations, mm-hmm. but it's being put out that they don't like. Yeah. When I always speak to people, I had a gallbladder out last year. Right. And everyone's always like, oh, I wouldn't want to be under an anaesthetic. Well, you wouldn't have it without the anaesthetic. Mm, sure. But, but you know, it's that kind of feeling of losing control. And yeah. It's yeah. more fearful than the actual having a blood yeah. taken out. Well, I thought <laughs> a bit of, of when they wake up the next day and then they wouldn't let me go home until I'd had a piss. Yes. And I'm not great performer when it comes to that anyway <laughs> no. I am one of those I head straight to the stall if there's somebody <laughs> yeah, there you know yeah, I don't yeah. want people oh, yeah. watching and I really can't I get terrible performance anxiety when it comes to having but I know that there's someone out there <laughs> waiting to hear that tinkle tinkle <laughs> or they won't let me go home like that's <laughs> a pressure piss big pressure that, that took me a good while to get that one out <laughs> pressure, pressure <laughs> piss uh, the, but, but anyway I mean clearly in the People have said this for eight, for years. You know, the best comedy comes from real life experiences. Mm-hmm. But clearly, from chatting to you for five minutes, that's that's obvious, yeah. isn't it? That's I, all of my stuff. Now, I used to be more of a 
have you noticed? Isn't it annoying when? And now I'm more of a a, a, a funny thing happened to me yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, I'm definitely more anecdotal now than I used to be. I think it's, I don't know, I've never had a great imagination, maybe. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I feel really naughty if I tell the audience something that's untrue and, they, and I know that they believe me. Yeah. Like, I, I, a couple of times I've done gigs where I had done an interview, a pre-recorded interview that was going out as live. Like a okay. few times, not on the BBC because you're not allowed to do it up there, but on either commercial radio or, or radio overseas where I've done an interview and we're pretending it's live and so they'll say, where, and they'll have said, where were you last night? And I, I pretend. So we're recording on the Thursday, but it's going out on the Sunday. So I say where I was on the Saturday. Yeah. And I go, oh, I was in Basingstoke. Oh, and they say, well, and how did it go? Knowing that I haven't done the gig yet. Yeah. I go, oh, it went really well. And then I would, on then that Saturday night, I would tell the audience that. I would tell them how oh, this gig's been predestined that it's going to go great <laughs> because I did an interview and they asked me how it went and they would get a big laugh. So I told them it went well, so don't make a liar out of me. <laughs> yeah. so they go, yeah. It's on you. Yeah, yeah. and it, every time I do it, it creates a great atmosphere in the audience because there is a sort of, it's like, oh, we, we have to. We yeah. have to you know. So I just started doing it at every gig. I just started <laughs> pretending that that had happened at every gig that I had done an interview where I had, where it was pre-recorded where I said that this audience was been, had been really good. And it just sets, and I always feel really naughty, you know. <laughs> and then some of the people will tweet you after the gig and go, uh, yeah. oh, you know, they'll, they'll, they're like, oh, oh you well, there was a great gig, so you didn't lie to that DJ. And I'm like, oh, no, but I did lie to you. <laughs> oh my God, you found a comedy hack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, it, I did it every night of the last tour. Wow. And I just, just, and then I just did the same tour then in, in New Zealand just now, and I did it every night with them as well. Wow! And I just like, I felt just a little bit guilty every time I did it, but it just works so well. Yeah, but also you still got to be good. <laughs> you still well, got to do the Still got to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. But it just, it, it was a, an absolute all-out lie <laughs> that an audience enjoyed because they thought you were telling the truth. Yeah. And I, I tried. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll do that for the sake of something very funny, for something very. Other, otherwise, I really try and not lie to the audience. Like, whatever it is, if I've broken up with a girl, I'd like to say I'm single at the moment, or I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm going out with somebody, or you know, now that I'm married, it's always, you know, so I, this is my... I always think it's weird when you see guys get on a stage and they do a joke about living alone, and you're, you're in the dressing yeah. room with their wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. They've got the wedding ring on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but so I guess, I like, that, that, that thing with the audience, the, the, the lie, um, it brings them on side. Doesn't it? Mm. Audiences want to be involved in what you're doing, yes, and you've really done that straight away. It's yeah. very conspiratorial, yeah, and it feels like it's a toss against the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was, it was the perfect opener. Yeah, but those are the best gigs, I guess, when you got when you, yeah. the audience are with you. Yeah, having a good opener and a good closure. Once you've got those, then your show is done. I've got a great opener for the next show. I, do, I still haven't quite decided on the closer. I've got one joke that's a candidate for the closer, but uh, <laughs> if something better comes along, I will close it down instead. <laughs> you know, but I'm very happy with my opener at the moment. That's I don't good. want to blow the gags up. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. happy to tell you about the old tour. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think comedy's in your genes? What was... What was um... that's, that's a joke. I'll, and it's in his own. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do you have any material? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, small penis joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did, did you... Uh, what was school like? Um... Um, school, uh, yeah, it was uh, not fine, not great, not yeah. not awful. I don't, I didn't, just regular. I don't, it didn't. I don't look back on it as 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 a never-ending trial or or constantly living in fear. Yeah, I went to a perfectly decent primary school, 
uh, and I don't really have any great formative mm. memories of that. I was, you know, an attention seeker. Yeah. But there was, that was about it. And then I went to a crap secondary school. I went to a Christian Brothers school that was just being run into the ground uh, okay, by yeah, yeah. people who really cared more about whether or not you could play Gaelic football or hurling than they did about whether. Like, literally, if you answered a question in class, you wouldn't just get the feeling from the other pupils that you were SWAT. Like, the teacher would look at you like, <laughs> yeah. fucking no, no. You know, so that was... Uh, yeah. So how sweary is this podcast? No, like you can swear as much as you like, yeah. You know, so... So that was not a, not a, I mean, I, 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 the year after I left or the year I left that school, it became the first Christian Brothers school to hire a lay person, a non-man of the cloth as a, as a school principal. Oh, okay. Because oh, it had really? gone into that bad a state that they needed a professional <laughs> educator to pull it out of its, out of its tailspin. Um, and then I went to another school and stayed back a year uh, just to the local comprehensive. Okay. And that was great because then that was also a mixed school. There was girls. And I was a year older than the most. I didn't mind being class. No, it was it was nice having that extra year. You know, especially then in the final year, I was eighteen. I could get served in pubs. (laughs) You know, so that was quite. uh, That was actually uh, that last two years of of my uh, of of school was actually quite quite a pleasant experience, relatively speaking. Yeah. God, I'd love to be in the oldest one in the year. That'd be wicked. You'd be the coolest person there. Well, well, I still wouldn't go two ways. (laughs) (laughs) You could go one or two ways. Yeah. Yeah. And. You studied horticulture when you went yeah. to university. Studied would be an okay. overstatement for what happened there. I was enrolled in a course. Okay. I, I, matricu- <laughs> I, I received a matriculation number from the university. <laughs> I, I coasted through first year on what I'd done at school, and I dropped out during, during second year when I okay. got hard. So, <laughs> I, 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 so I it wasn't the that. dream job then? No, no, and it was one of those things where I regret doing it a bit because mm. I should have done... I should have done drama or yeah. TV production or creative or something that that I might have used today, even even something to do with like entertainment management or something yeah. like that. I just really wish I'd done something useful. But I had that thing of. Um, uh, it sounds like yeah. a last minute choice. It was. Like, it was uh, kind of. Oh, the, the summer before I started <laughs> yeah. working with my uncle as a gardener, oh, okay. and I just. Um, I don't want to be all, oh, things were hard. But, like, in the 80s in Dublin, you did not get a job unless you knew somebody. It was just one of those things. Yeah. You know, you had to, you know, uh, and my, so my uncle was a gardener, and so I, sure, did some, yeah, did, yeah. I worked with him. And I had, there was also that thing of um, you needed to get a trade. I fancied going into show business, but you, that's, not, you, that's not, going to do drama yeah. is not something you do. You need to get a, a proper job, and then you can pursue something else. So I thought, gardening, I'll get a degree in that. And then I can be a gardener, I can be self-employed, and then I can be free to pursue a, an alternate career. That was the sort of plan. So you did always have the, like, the performance thing or the drama. Yeah, yeah. And it was there in the yeah. background. But it was just, I guess, you, I just, it, you didn't really take it seriously as, a, as, as a something that you, would then, that you would study for. Yeah. It, I, I don't know why I had that. And, and I look back and it was a stupid way to be. Even when I was then working as a professional comedian, you'd still have that. I'd go back home and I'd have neighbours. I remember one woman and her husband had his own insurance business and her doing that. He said, what if it doesn't work out? (laughs) What if it doesn't work out? What have you got to fall back on? And I actually said, well, well, first of all, you don't even have a job. You're married to a job, right? That's that's for a kickoff. And I I never said, I go, well, it is working out. I'm doing it. This is my job. What if it doesn't work out? And then about two years later, her husband's insurance business folded. And I wished I'd just gone and knocked it. So what's his plan now? What if you got to fall back on? (laughs) But even even when it's become your proper job, 
there's still there's, there's that, there was that attitude of yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. need something to fall back on, you know. Do you think that's just the way it is with sort of creative industries that people that aren't in it just don't, don't really sort of get it? I don't think it is so much nowadays. I think I think a lot of these things are viewed as as proper jobs. If you think about it, stand-up comic now is probably more of a trade, more of a craft than Insurance. influencer. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, saying that yeah, there are yeah, more yeah, weird, yeah. airy fairy, nebulous yeah, 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 kind yeah. of jobs nowadays yeah. compared to stand-up comic. By by by, you know, uh, by comparison. It's sort of, oh, yeah, I know, I get what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, tell yeah, jokes yeah. If, you get, if people laugh, you get paid. Yeah, I get So, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I still haven't worked out the influence, influence thing. No. Oh, well, yeah. I think it sounds like a word for a hypnotist. It does, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. really sinister. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's really sinister. <laughs> yeah, and then, well, obviously, the, the, so you, with the comedy, you set up a gig in, in, at uni. Well, not, it was after I dropped out of uni, but it was using my, the context because I worked as the entertainments guy at the student union and then I was the vice president of the student union. So I actually got to live for a year as a student and get paid, which is an absolute dream. Yeah, it sounds like you nailed it. I had yeah, my yeah. own office at the top of one of the largest licensed premises in Scotland. <laughs> right. And it was great. And I got, you know, and I, staff did everything. You know, you're basically like an elected official, but, you know, it's like the country's really run by civil servants. It's a figurehead <laughs> job, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, and it was it was wonderful. I got to live like a student and I got paid like eight grand, you know, for the year in buttons, but yeah, it was yeah, still, yeah. I could live on it. Yeah. Awesome. So I did that for a year, but I also, I did, I did, you know, host karaoke's and, and you know, oversee running of bars and stuff like that. And, so were uh, you booking things as well yeah but there was, again there was a, a professional oh, right. it was a guy who was hired whose job was oh, wow. the famous manager yeah. so he his work was still just steered by the the student executive committee uh and then and then using those contacts uh, yeah i set up a club in this bar that i used to drink in and they had a wednesday night free and uh and yeah so i, I started a comedy club there and uh yeah just paid comedians 100 quid a pop but while you're while you're it. getting to yeah you're emceeing your and then, yeah and I emceed and that's so I got the stage time from that and if it was going well I stayed on and if I was dying I just put the, the act on <laughs> and yeah. uh, and then I had to you know kind of turn over material because the, it was a, a lot of regular audience there yeah um, I only did that for about uh, two months I did yeah so oh, right. eight, so eight, 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 eight weeks and then I moved to London and then I handed over the running to to two blokes. Um, John Paul Leach and uh, Ford Kiernan, who you know is one half of the t- team behind Steel Game, the, oh, wow. the, the biggest, yeah, yeah. The biggest entertainment property in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they ran it, and then they had me back and paid me sixty quid, and I'm going, I used to pay you a hundred quid. I know that was, we, were, we were ripping you off. There's no way we were, any of us were worth a hundred quid. Sixty quid is a going rate for a comedy club this size. <laughs> So that's, that's a quick move down to London then, isn't it? Yeah. To, to do comedy. That, that yeah. sounds like it all happened yeah, yeah. quite quickly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that was, I mean, it was, that was the whole point of it was just to learn how to do it with, with the, with the, um, with the plan to, to, to go to London and, and do it there. And so I moved to London when I was 20, 21. And, um, and it fairly hit the ground running. It, it was a, it was a good time to, to be a, comic to make it I hit I landed in London January 94 mm. and it was quite a good time to be a circuit comedian there was a, a, a waiting list of like six months to get a comedy to get a, an open spot at the, the comedy store but other places it was you know sort of four or five weeks sometimes you know shorter sometimes longer and and it was good like within the space of say a year you could go do an open spot in a club and if it went well you'd be back a couple of months later do it 10 minutes yeah. spot and then if that went well be back 
you know, before the end of the year, or start of next year to do a 20 spot. And then if that went well, you're doing weekends, you know. So by sort of a year and a half, 18 months of landing in London, I was I was certainly off the door. I think I was off housing benefit by then. Like mm. I signed on when I got there. And yeah, so I was, within two years, I was making a living. Yeah. And that's, that, that was fairly quick anyway. But, yeah. yeah. But it was then, you could, you could, in the 90s, you could make a handsome living. You could make like a mid-management level wage and never leave the M25. Oh, you really? Could do, you could do you know, you know, junglers, comedy store, stuff like that, where you're doing four or five gigs over the course of the weekend with early shows and late shows mm-hmm. and then double up by going to some club yeah. in between. And they were paying like 130 quid a gig at the big place and then like 60 to 80 mm. in the little place. A lot of it in cash. So it was, um, yeah, it was actually a really, really good time, fun time, and you could do, you could do that. There were some people whose whose lack of ambition I was almost envious of. People who to this day have only written a half hour in their say, life yeah. and yeah. are just jobbing comics and have the best hassle free life. Yeah, even if they die occasionally, they don't give a shit. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it seems to feel like it's harder now. To yeah, do that. Progress I wouldn't want to be starting out now. I mean, now it seems to be, have gone a bit like uh, the way it was in like in New York and LA. In that you've got to, if you if you want to get on stage, you've got to bring ten mates with you, mm. and they've all got to buy a drink. Yeah, you know that that's so you're just you're just using the the acts to make your money. Yeah, um, yeah. There was very there was only a handful of clubs like that when I was starting out where where you didn't get paid, where they'd make you do like five open spots and then make you do a 20 for expenses. I, 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 people like that, I just say, oh, nah. You realize, yeah. realize there's clubs better than this that are paying. Yeah. yeah. But now a lot of them are like that. Yeah. yeah. And, a lot of the, and a lot of the big ones, like junglers, have gone down. Yes. They don't have the... The, the... the flip side of it is you get off the circuit a lot quicker nowadays. You know, when I was starting out, only people like... Jack D, Billy Connolly, you know, big names, big TV names, people with their own show yeah. were touring. And even then, they were touring, you know, a lot of them touring like art centers, you know, sort of 400 seaters. Now, you do a couple of episodes of Mock the Week and, and you can be onto that, that sort of, you know, art center circuit. And then, you know, the top level, obviously, you know, people are playing arenas. Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 I think that's probably part of why the circuit has shrunk is that people are going to see stand-up comedy in, in bigger venues yes. rather than going to the local comedy club rather than taking a punt on four, four comics they've never heard of yeah. to go and see some guy in, in an art centre that they... That they you know, they want a TV been, name and they know they already like them. He's vaguely familiar with, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think promoters are doing that as well, aren't they? With mm. most nights, they want a TV name to be headlining or even opening, yeah. which squeezes down the spots for yeah. up I mean, certainly if you're starting off a new comedy club, that you're, you're having to call in favours from people who, who, are, who are on the telly, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, I guess the way it goes. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, it is slightly worrying as regards where the next generation of comics are going to come from if the circuit has shrunk to the extent it has. Mm. You know that we are going to end up with only, only people who can afford to do comedy, as a you know, as a hobby because, I don't know they're they're independently wealthy or something like that. Like that's the only people, the idea of, of just trying to do it as a job, in itself, 
like that, like you know, like people who who are who are forged in the crucible of the circuit. Uh, those people aren't aren't really going to be coming out. I don't think because. Mm. The, the, the circuit has, has, has shrunk to the extent well, that it has. And also, you know, Edinburgh is so expensive now. It's only really people that can afford to go up there. Yeah. Although the Edinburgh Fringe now, is there's more options to do it cheaper than you used to. It, the Edinburgh Fringe used to be a place where you could only, unless you sold there every night, or even if you did, you, you still lost a pot of money. Yeah. There's more options now with the free fringe yeah. and the five-pound yeah, fringe and stuff right like that and the pay-what-you-want fringe and the... the uh, I don't know the higher purchase fringe and the <laughs> payment installments fringe. Um, they, um, there's, I think there are more options to go mm. and and not lose your shirt. I think it's only if you go with yeah. certain promoters now that want you beholden to them, mm. where you then have to you become an indentured servant after you in order to pay off your your publicity stunt of the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, I think I think there, yeah, there's more of an ability to go and, and, and do the fringe now. Yeah, although accommodation's crazy expensive as well. Yes, especially I, I know a lot of people this year who can't go who are good comedians because they can't. It's like eight or nine grand for the month. Well, it's to stay up there. You Lives. know why that is? You know what they they've changed the law so that you can't kick people out. You can't have eleven month contracts because that's oh, what they do. Yeah. Um, landlords were signing people up, students particularly, but also just you know regular tenants and signing up for 11 month leases so that they still have the flat free in August mm. to rent out during the fringe so they're not allowed to do that so some people are doing it voluntarily I think some people are subletting the uh, you know the ones where obviously if it's the owner just moves out themselves for the month those flats are still available but mm. yeah it's a there's a scarcity at that particularly at that sort of that the sort of just above student flat level, just below yeah. really nice place level, which is where a lot of acts would be pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm going this year, but I'm met, a friend of mine lives in Glasgow, so I'm going to stay with him very yeah. kindly and get the train over every day, which has saved me a lot of money. Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I, I'm JJ Whitehead is staying with me because I got I've, I've got the family coming in the middle, so I let JJ stay in their room, in, in the kids' room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's yeah. going to move out. He's, but he's going to move into a hotel for the rest of the time. It's yeah. easier to just get a hotel for yeah. a week than to try and get a flat. That's crazy. Yeah. Blimey. <laughs> That's mad, isn't it? I mean, it's very interesting you're saying about because um, I used to play in bands in the 90s and it was, it's similar now. Like, it's much harder to, to get, A, a following, but also to get, your, you know, get gigs and stuff now when you're playing in bands and stuff. Like, probably a bit like comedy is. Is there... I mean, is there a less defined path now with, with music compared to what it used to be? It used to be, it used to be a really well-oiled machine that yeah. you sort of, your A&R man found you, you got signed to exactly. a label, they toured you around these particular venues well, and then you yeah. put out your first record and then you did it. And, then, yeah. and now it's, that's all, with the download culture, that's all gone, It's all right? gone, yeah. Yeah, totally gone. And so it's incredibly difficult to get anyone to look at your, your stuff, you know, and you were in, but I don't know, I was, was, what I was going to get to was the fact, I was wondering if, um, these are flooded markets. Like, there's a lot of comedians around now. There's a lot of people wanting to do co- comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the same with bands. Everyone is in a band and everyone can release their music to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if that is also causing a problem with the fact that, you know, it's harder. Uh, well, I think it's harder to break in. And certainly yeah. myself, I mean, the, I, I won't get on a lot of the same shows that I used to now that I've lost my new comedian smell and there's a lot more interesting <laughs> people come. And there's also, you know, there's a very understandable and commendable um, uh, desire for more diversity, which I used to be ethnic enough 
to uh, <laughs> right, yeah. to be on the receiving end of. But now at this stage, I am no longer considered, you know, a diversity hire. So you know, I, but that's I mean that's a, that's fair enough. I, yeah, I understand sure. the, the the deal with that. But that coupled with yes, a, a greater saturation point mm. with the amount of people, and then also no one's retiring. No one's, Lee Evans is the only one to fuck off in the last 10 years nobody wants to go away and people who haven't done it for years are coming back because there's just there's money to be made yeah. in touring yeah. Uh, so yeah everyone's just like you feel like looking at somebody would you fuck off now yeah, yeah, <laughs> come yeah. on it's my just time. let somebody else have a go yeah uh, so there's that yeah we are there's, we're definitely reaching a, a saturation point mm. I think yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Maybe we'll all become influencers mm. instead. Yeah, but then there's also different avenues into it. You know, there's the, I mean, there's the podcast. Yeah, there's mm. a lot of people getting massive followings that started out basically through through podcast. I mean, my, my tour manager right now is on tour with the Guilty Feminist podcast. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're doing the Albert Hall and yeah, the Marvel yeah. Hall, the places that would be the, like you know bigger than I'd be doing, and mm. it's they and they've built this and and killing it, like yeah, killing yeah. it and, yeah, and yeah. having rocking gigs because they have found their audience, you know, through this new medium, and you know it's a, it's and in a way, I don't I feel like that that doesn't even compete with. You know that's 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 a whole new audience that they're bringing yeah. in, and if anything, they they may be encouraging new people to come to the world of live comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it, and quite possible with a lot of the arena comedians, they they're probably building an audience. Probably quite people who are going to see, say, Michael McIntyre and Peter Kay, who otherwise had never been to a comedian in their life before, might also now go. Oh, maybe I'll go and see Ed Burr. Maybe I'll go and see Mark Watson. Maybe you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I think. It, it's not it's not all pessimism I think the audience are still expanding you know? yeah yeah well I guess that's what you were doing back in the day in the 90s you were growing an audience trying to do the same sort of thing mm. but in a different you know not on a podcast in a more physical form by just doing loads of gigs yeah because the other thing when I was starting out even though I said it was a great time certainly in the London circuit further out from there people still didn't really know what they were getting with stand-up comedy people people were either either thought they were showing up to mo- mother-in-law jokes or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were, yeah. or they were worried because it was all going to be Thatcher! Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So, and they weren't aware that it was, you know... And, and then people like sort of Frank Skinner and people like that had, had, and Alan Davies had that sort of appeal that I think that crossed over with a lot of, a lot of audiences. And so a lot of time you'd be doing gigs in places like South End where the guy on before you is proper end of the pier. Yeah. And he's doing, yeah. he's doing really, not even hacky, but doing like the Rinda bit, like a bit that's word for word that yeah, they yeah. just all just do, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And, and the audience would love it. And they go, oh, he does the Rinda sketch better than the guy last week did. You know, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you're sharing a bill with that. You do something like the Royal Variety performance and you're the only one on, like I did the Royal Variety and it was me and Terry Alderton and everybody else, it was Joe Pasquale, it was Bradley Walsh, it was that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah It was yeah. Ken Dodd. So you're, you're playing to audiences that aren't quite sure what this thing of making observations is. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, almost not ready for you. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, oh, we, we want jokes, mate. Yeah. This isn't jokes, it's a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there was, a bit, there was a bit of that, whereas now, people understand what they're getting when they, with stand-up comedy. People are completely... They're more, yeah. more savvy. What it is, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. people have just, you know, people are, have grown up just used to what it is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Which is great. I guess it gives more people a chance to do comedy. But what was it like back in the early days then with gigs, with audiences you didn't connect to or they didn't get it? What were you like in those kind of, those moments? Oh, 
it's harder to die when you're starting out because like if you are if you die on your fifth gig that's now 20% of your gigs have been in, <laughs> yeah. in death so exactly. it, it gets you much yeah. harder because you worry oh maybe I can't do this yeah. um, and also when you're starting out you're doing by design you're doing the very hardest gigs of your career right at the time when you are the shittest comedian you'll ever be yeah like you'll I'll never unless I unless something happens to my brain and it degenerates with all I'll never be as shit as I was when I started you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and you have to do these gigs where you're in a bar where people haven't even paid to get in maybe they didn't even know comedy was on and yeah. they suddenly put an orange crate in the middle of the in the corner of the room and plug in a microphone and go here's the comedian and people will hate you for interrupting their conversation <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. having to do that you're having to do that with 20 minutes of some quite piss weak material you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. so that, that was that was hard and I think the fact that you know doing that the fact that I was on the dole and every gig mattered you know and that went you know when you sounded like I needed every I would cross town for a 30 quid gig that was, you know, makes, makes really lights a fire under your arse, you know. Yeah, yeah. Focuses yeah. you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've got to, I'm going to not be able to eat. And this, yeah, because yeah. then in a way, like I was talking about, like John Bishop took quite a while to really commit to stand-up comedy. And it's part of why he almost, he seemed to arrive out of nowhere already brilliant because he'd been doing it for ages. But he never, he had a great job. He had a comfortable job, yeah. which he didn't want to give up. Mm. to go into this thing. so he, he he didn't really go full tilt until he was ready you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean and yeah, then suddenly yeah, yeah. like oh man where'd this where'd this guy come from <laughs> yeah. straight out of the box polished as yeah, you know yeah yeah but like I yeah. say there's a lot to lose there though isn't there so it's, there's a risk yeah a big risk yeah and then I knew people who were very funny who had day jobs and just didn't want to make the commitment and just give it up uh, that's what kind of I can't remember his name that's a uh, that's terrible, but he was just one of the guys who I used to see at open spots all the time. And he, 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 his, his opening line, he had, he, he came on and he had this really, really like, like a perm, like super curly hair, okay, and a massive mop like of Leo Sayers, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost like a poodle. And he would just go, just one, just one drop of rain. <laughs> and your hair goes curly. <laughs> like, I mean, I've slightly telegraphed the joke by explaining yeah. he had curly hair. Yeah. It was funnier when he didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, Andrew, I can't. It's not going to come to me. But you know, it, he was in advertising, and he just didn't. He, he never. He did, never committed. That's to quite it. sad, though. You think yeah. there's been some great acts that maybe didn't. I don't know. Not the tenacity. That's the wrong kind of word. But just couldn't quite get there. Yeah. For some reason. Well, it's a it's a leap, isn't it? You've got to be super bold and and almost not not to say stupid but to make that yeah. leap to do yes. it it's brave and perhaps at the time there wasn't quite the quite the money to be made at the, at the, at the top end yeah. there was money to be made but he probably would end up a good circuit comic earning about the same as he was getting in advertising yeah, you know yeah. I mean? yeah. exactly for probably le- less effort as well yeah. and less risk yeah so Andrew Gosling might have been Andrew Gosling alright alright yeah. who cares you know, you know yeah. like, oh, Ed I'm sorry we're not going to troll through the uh, oh, Time out circa 1994 to find the name of an open spot that you fondly remember. That's a good joke, <laughs> oh, there'd be a few guys that you'd see, and they'd and they'd and some of them would only have a good opening line, but it could be oh, a really? great. I, there was one you think guy you're in for a good night. Oh man, Pete Early. But they'd be open spots, so it didn't matter. You could, you could yeah. forgive them four minutes of. Like I remember one guy, and he just would. Sl- he, he 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 wore like uh, like loud check trousers. 
and uh, and a big stripy shirt and a ridiculously yellow tie. And he'd go on, he'd be like, he's shaking his head, going, oh, what? 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 You won't believe this, right? You won't believe this, right? Bar used to be a right wanker. <laughs> fucking killed. And it was just what I give for an opening line like that. And then he never, he never, you know, never bested that sorry. in yeah, the rest yeah. of the... <laughs> Oh dear, he peaked early, that guy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, going back to, like, you coming into London at an early age, it was must have been a very steep learning curve. I look back now and had the audacity of, yeah. and the arrogance of a 21-year-old going, I'm going to go and stay oh, in a and b in London <laughs> and just go and perform for nothing for a bit. But yeah. everything will work out. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like, and the, diff- like, the first gig I did in London was... Uh, I, it was like an open mic. I remember it was like an open mic company. It was certain, if, not, if it wasn't the very first, it was one of the first. It was certainly the first one where I felt like, oh shit, I'm not good enough. Like I'd been doing it for a couple of months every, every week in Glasgow. I'd even done a couple of professional gigs. I did a, a, like a 20 minute set opening for a guy at Edinburgh University yeah. and, and one at, at uh, um, um, Glasgow Caledonian University. So I'd done a couple of actual paid gigs at this point. I thought I was a professional comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I just needed to prove it to the <laughs> London circuit. And then I did this, like, one of these, you know, they have like, these open mic competitions, you know, and there was like 13 guys on the bill. And I just died. And I'm watching these guys and going, oh, God, these guys are, everybody's better than I am. So I, and, and stuff that I thought was genius was hack like yeah. I had a routine about women on their period don't behave the way women in tampon ads do and I thought I was I thought I was the only person to think of it I thought I'd made this incredible observation and then I get to London and I see some guy doing 15 I see Simon Bly just kill with it but do it brilliantly yeah, you know yeah. and I go oh, I, I gotta drop that Were you <laughs> like, know at, backstage like yeah, scribbling yeah. out I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm just starting again yeah yeah so that was it was a steep learning curve without a doubt yeah how did you get through those those moments then? Because you've gone all in for this yeah. career. I don't. I really don't know. I just every every, every good gig. Yeah. I mean, the first time I did the comedy cafe, that was like a, that's again they have like an open mic competition on the Wednesday. Yeah. And the winner of that gets a paid ten spot the following night. And I remember doing that and winning it, and and getting so that was my first paid London gig. And the, but then doing the paid spot the next night, hard. Mm-hmm. You know. But I don't know, I don't, I, I, I just remember just really just working at it. Just every gig was an improvement, you know, and just getting a, just getting a feel. But you must have felt yeah. quite isolated if you were on, you know, you're on your own in a B&B and just. Yeah, and in fact, it. I was living with a girl um, who knew the owners of the B&B. That's how okay. we got a cheap deal on it. And then we were not getting on and she was, yeah, yeah. that was pretty, bit dark. it was actually really horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and then I. But just, it gave you 20 minutes of material. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. It gave, it gave me quite a bit of material, especially the night we broke up the second time. I remember yeah. doing some heartfelt stuff about that, that looking back probably had a tinge of misogyny to us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. But no, but that must have been, yeah, it must have been hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why now, you know, if somebody goes, what, 23 quid a ticket? Yes, you're not just paying for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of blood and guts went into this. Were there any moments yeah. where you thought you were going to give it up? Only thought? very, very early on. The first time I threw up before going on stage, I remember doing an open mic, an open spot at the Ball and Banana, which is one of the best yeah. comedy clubs in London, and I just died. I went on after 
it was, I think it was on after either Paul V. Edwards or um, Alistair McGowan. And, and they, you know, both done for And then I just, you could just feel the atmosphere Hoover get turned on as soon as they said, here's the open spot. But again, I was doing stuff that probably just wasn't that good, you know. Mm. Um, and I remember I got one laugh out of the whole thing because I was smoking a cigarette. And I had a joke at the start about every cigarette you smoke takes five minutes off your life. And then I got to the end of the gig and I said, yeah, they do say every cigarette you smoke takes five minutes off your life. Just a shame you don't get to choose which five minutes. And that got a round of applause. And so they said, come and do Acton Bananas. They had another one in Acton. They said, come and do that one. We'll give you another go. And I remember, because then it was really on the line. So if I died at that one, then I wasn't going to get in at the Banana Cabaret yeah. for a couple of years then, you know. But I remember throwing up before that gig. In fact, I think... I think I was supposed to be on and they had to move me because I was in the toilet being sick. Oh. And then I had to go on. And I'm like doing my stuff and I'm like bloodshot and I'm like that, you know, because yeah, yeah. it's sick in my nose, you know. Oh, yeah. But had a great gig. But I remember around that time thinking, I can't do this if I'm this, if it's this nerve wracking. I yeah. can't feel like this every time I go to work. But the wow. nerves go. Yeah. Yeah, just, just through doing it. Yeah. The consistency. And, yeah, and again, and once you get to a point where if I die tomorrow, that will mean only 0.01% of my gigs are ending. Exactly, So I mean, contrasting it to today when you know, you, you're about to go on a big tour and stuff. Well, it, yeah. Know, I mean, right like, now, I have a sort of general level of anxiety. Okay. Of the, show is, the show is on sale, yeah. and people have bought tickets, but the show is not yet written. So <laughs> that's always an exciting time. <laughs> I've, I've just crossed over into slightly more excited because I've got a good 40 minutes okay and I've got a good opener and I have a couple of candidates for closing Closer, joke yeah. yeah which I still can happily be bumped for something else <laughs> yeah. or you never know I might go heartfelt that's Ooh, another yeah. that's, that's, an an, that's another way to end a show if you a lot of how you do Careful. it if you can't think of a really good rousing yeah. hilarious on your feet uh, joke you can just go and that's when I realized. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I always say if I've got 45 minutes by the end of June, that just naturally becomes an hour by the end of, by, by, by the start of August, mm. you know, which is when you go to Edinburgh yeah. and you need your new 55 minutes to an hour. So that's, I am on course yeah. and it's quite an exciting time because you're doing new jokes and every time you tell them, a lot of times you, f- you forget. I've actually like I just did a gig last night in in um, in Brighton and it went really well. But I I came off stage looking at the notes on my hand that I couldn't read and going, "Oh, I forgot to do that one." Oh, I did that bit, but I forgot that line of that bit, which I really wanted to do, and that that makes that work. And I don't know what order any of it goes in now, so it's all a bit disjointed. But it's certainly it's good enough and funny enough that I can do it out of out of. At a, at a, in a tent yeah. for paying point and they, and they laugh at all the jokes yeah. so that's quite exciting so then deciding what order they go in and finding ways to make those jokes funnier and longer is actually um, it, it, it's almost like you're on the second draft now having done the painful first draft yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean yeah it's exciting to find out what it, works it, and what doesn't work yeah and, and I'm even saying I'm, I'm curious to see what I'm going to come up with yeah because yeah, sometimes yeah. you do sometimes it almost takes no effort sometimes you're just doing the bit and a line just comes out on stage you don't even know where it came from yeah and you can sit and sweat at a computer trying to think, what, how can I, what line can I think of to go there and never be able to think about it. And you're just on stage and something just pops out and yeah. the audience laughs. And you go, oh, there we go. Yeah. That, that's that. Yeah, yeah, and it so. feels like it took no effort. So that's, that's, that's a real level of self-confidence though. Because if you're having those blank moments where you're staring at the laptop and you're thinking, 
this yeah. can't happen. But to have the confidence thing, well, um, tonight something might come anyway. That's happened. Yeah, I think I need the immediate that. gratification of of the audience. But in, the thing is, the stuff that you come up with sitting at your desk, or 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 even sitting sitting up in bed at night, you never know if it's funny or not until you try it. And even no. when you uh, suggest, you know, say it to another comedian who's been doing it as long as you have, yeah, I came up with this line. So yeah, it could be. You know, we still won't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then you'll go, oh, did you try that line? Yeah, I did. No, it doesn't work. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No, it doesn't work. And you just, and it's, even at this stage in your career, it's still like, go, go figure. Yeah. You know? And I guess some, but some lines can develop into something, can't they? Yeah. You say it one way and then you do it differently yeah. the next night. And some, oh, some, some jokes, you're sure that the punchline is where the funny bit is. Yeah. And the punchline gets an okay laugh, but all the big laughs are in the setup. Yeah. Like mm. just as you're explaining the bit, that you re- Jesus, this this setup, which to me is not that funny. This is me just laying the pipe to get to get there. Uh, people are really enjoying this bit, and sometimes you end up almost just ditching the punchline and, and just just doing the or putting the punchline early on. Say, you know, if you can find a way to do that, yeah, because yeah. The, the the other stuff, the funnier stuff, needs to come later. You never can predict, but but I guess you have to be be open to that. You know, if you're about that, okay, so oh, the audience are telling I'll take a laugh where I can get it. If, yeah. if, 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 <laughs> I'm never going to say, no, you people are laughing in the wrong place. You idiots are laughing. This is not the funny bit. When you have to explain it, you've gone wrong somewhere. Is this the funny bit? Fine, cool, I'm with that. Yeah. <laughs> do you like that creating creating the, the new set? Do you, do you enjoy that part of it? Or do you, or is it just all about the performance? It's, it's like... Um, uh, it's funny, I never heard, even heard her say it, but I heard um, Jenny Eclair quote Carrie Fisher, having said, whenever Carrie Fisher was asked if she enjoyed writing, she always said, I enjoy having written. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, it's yes. like that, there's no greater feeling than um, when you have a joke that you, that's new and you do it and it works really well and then, you, and then it only gets funnier and then you just look forward to telling it every time. Yeah, yeah. You go, this bit. And I've got two or three now in the new show that I'm just so happy with. Yeah. Now, that started off as, as, an, as and, they'll st- and they always start off like, okay, they'll start off something true or an argument I had with my wife or something like that. Like, I've got this bit now that I just love telling. It's so middle class, <laughs> but it's about, it's about how I'm middle class, but not proper posh. Proper posh people yeah. have furniture between the rooms of their house, right? <laughs> I, all my furniture is in rooms. Yeah. We don't have any, we don't have a chair in the hallway because it would be in the way. Yeah. You'd have to step yeah, yeah. over to get a little, yeah, yeah. really rich people, they have, they have chairs like on the landing, you know? And I'm going to be playing the Henley Festival and I'm so looking forward to doing that at the Henley Festival because yeah, there's a whole bit about like when are you like when are you ever going to park your arse in that chair never yeah. darling are you coming to bed no I'm just going to read my book for an hour outside the guest bedroom yeah. Yeah. there's no TV on the landing why would you ever sit on the landing like, no I'm just going to sit reading my book outside the loo you know I've always wanted to be a hotel security guard you know so uh, that, you know, that that just I'm just really um, you know, when I just started coming up with that, and then I came up with it. No, it wasn't. It was. Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to work as a security guard in a museum. That was it, and it yeah. just worked. Yeah. Yeah. And it just worked. I was like, oh, that's the perfect scene. That's for somebody just sitting on a chair. That's that's nowhere. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the image just. First time I did it, it's like what? And so I just look forward to that one now. It's like a new joke, and every time you get a new bit, and you just know that every time you tell it, it'll get a little bit longer. Yeah. A little bit funnier. Cool. There's no. I say it's not great, but for me, the best feeling in the world is when you come off stage opening night at the Edinburgh Fringe and it's gone well. 
yeah. you know, that's, I've got 20 more, 21 more nights of this. And it already works, and it's only going to get better. funnier. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in Edinburgh, and I'm just, all my mates are here, and I'm just surrounded by the same weirdos that I started in a certain <laughs> yeah. way, you know. So I, that's, yeah, I, I, I love that. I love when you get to that stage where you've got it. Yeah. But I find the bit before that can be very stressful. I can be in a really terrible mood. And then every time I do my old show, like I just did New Zealand and I, have, I did the last gasp of the old show, and it, fucking, it works, it's slick. I know we're all, and it's like, oh, why can't the new show be as funny as this already? You know what I mean? You, you realize the difference between that old show, which is 90 minutes of tight stuff, compared to 40 minutes of. Some of it's only all, 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 almost there. And it's like, how is this ever going to get to that? Yeah. But it always does. Yeah. yeah. And what do you like in those moments then when you're writing, when it's not happening? Do you have any processes that you sort of do or go through to help? No, uh, to try and kickstart it. I don't really. I, I don't, other than just committing myself to gigs. You yeah. know, people, you can get me for a really cut price around about sort of <laughs> May, June, July. Yeah. I will come and play any old shithole at that point in my career. I will drive two That's hours. Know, yeah. 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 And you'll find most comics will. They'll just yeah. happily out need the stage time then if you have to, yeah, and just get up. And there's a few like um, uh, new material nights. Um, there's, there's one called uh, Old Rope um, in, in, uh, at the, the Phoenix on Margaret Street, uh, the delivery room which is in the, the, the tap room on, uh, in, in Islington, where you know, audiences are quite nurturing. And you can go on stage with a half-assed idea yeah. and just sort of talk about it and hopefully hit a punchline. You know, and, and the audience are pretty cool with it. Yeah. They can, it can be a bit of a false friend because sometimes they can laugh at stuff and you think, you, you think you've got a new oh, joke yeah, yeah, and then you yeah. take it to a proper comedy club and you go, oh, they were lying to me. Oh, they yeah. were just trying to be nice. <laughs> they just thought I needed a win. <laughs> you, you ever gone on stage without any material? Without any material at yeah. all. No, I've always and it, you know, wow, that's proper. <laughs> I think they. I think because we only had here till three. <laughs> yeah. Like, Get the fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've never just gone. That's it. I'm just gonna absolutely wing it. I've always at least had to have an idea. Yeah. Mm. I've seen people do it. Yeah, me too. And I've gone. This is just rude. Now, <laughs> I was in a comedy club in New York, and a very famous comedian showed up, and. And the audience were delighted. And he just... Well, I'm going, wow, you're really just writing this on the hoof, aren't you? He's just asking questions. W- women, what do you want? Oh, wow. <laughs> you, like wow. that. And it's like, you really have... And, if I, and he's a world-class comedian. And if this is his process, this is his process. But I was like, this is just rude. Whereas I've seen others, like Ray Romano in that same club, get up and really beat himself up if a joke doesn't go well and do yeah, have yeah, disclaimers yeah. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you are you one of the people that beats yourself up if a joke doesn't go well then? No, but I'm disappointed, and I'll try and I'll make a joke about the fact that the joke didn't go well. I'll just laugh off that like nothing. You know, I've got to got to mention the fact that well that didn't work. Yeah, you got to reference it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Make it work for you. Yeah. Wow. I was waiting for you, so sorry. Were you? Well, at the end of the pod, we normally ask our guests if they've got any advice for people that might be going through a blank moment. Which is interpretive, obviously, because we have blank moments for different things. But is there anything you can sort of? Uh, ironically, answer? I've gone blank. <laughs> Does that happen often when you ask somebody this question? Is this the very thing I should have prepared, showing up knowing that I was doing this podcast? Well, maybe it's, no, the, it's, it's the most podcast thing ever. It's the best what it is about, about the blank page that's, that's, that, oh, that yeah. frightens you? Yeah, I. 
I mean, I, the one regret I have is that I didn't write down everything I ever thought of that was funny. Yeah. You know, you always think you do. You always, and, and I, I think that's the one thing about technology that's been a real boon is that I can keep a phone next to the bed and I don't even need to turn on the light when I think it's something funny. Like I can wake up and write it down, type it into the phone without disturbing my wife. Uh, and then the next day, look at it and be incredibly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Just read something that says, you know, zombie fish hooks. What does this mean? Uh, but uh, no, I, 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 don't ha I don't have any advice on what to do if you're completely lacking inspiration. Because I feel that... Um, I feel that the, the, the stuff that you force is never as funny as the stuff that just comes mm. naturally anyway. Yeah. All the stuff that in, in, my, in, in my act that's funniest is the stuff that just came out of just having an argument or having a conversation or something that just came out in the spur of the moment. And that anything I've tried to make come against its will always sounds that little bit formulaic yeah. or that little bit sort of run of the mill. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, would, I, I would say just let it come and don't force it, yeah. would be, I guess would be my advice. Yeah. It's good advice. It's good advice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's certainly my excuse for my own laziness. <laughs> it's an excellent excuse for your own laziness. Why don't I sit down and try and write jokes? Because, as you know, the ones you try and write, they'll never be as good as those. They'll That's just point. come naturally. <laughs> Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Well, Ed Byrne, yeah. thank you for being on the Blank Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank Ed. you for having me. So there we go. That was Ed Byrne on the Blank Podcast. I almost forgot what, who we were then. <laughs> uh, what a top man. Lovely guy. And great to hear all his insights into comedy and how he's kind of had such a great career. I mean, he's, you know, he's been doing it for so long and yeah. started really from the bottom upwards. And uh, yeah. yeah, just a real kind the rewards of... now for, for a lot of Tyler's work. Oh, uh, well, absolutely, which, which is totally deserved. Just a kind of real persistent approach to comedy, which I think is really key for any kind of creative industry, really, and quite inspiring. Very inspiring, yeah, and um, just a really, really nice guy, and it was just nice to spend an hour in his company. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Ed, for joining Thanks, us Ed. on the pod. Um, so this is a part of the podcast where we read out uh, Twitter comments, and we get so many. Like, honestly, we are very lucky. We, we are, very... and it's lovely to always hear from you. Yeah. We've, we've got a real... little. Uh, I'm going to say cult, but that's not the right word. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'll say a cult following. I think we have. No, I'm going to say it. Oh, okay, yeah. Cult I thought following. you meant like we are a cult. No, I don't mean like, we are a cult, but okay. you know, the cult of blank. But uh, we certainly have got a little cult following coming along. I know because we're not one of the big mainstream podcasts. No, but we seem but to we've got, you know, we've got a love. Yeah, and they're really loyal. Yeah. And it's lovely. They are loyal and they're very kind. And this week's comment comes from Suzanne Gagnon. G-A-G-N-O-N. With my French GCSE, I would pronounce that Gagnon. But it yeah, might be Gagnon. Apologies if... Gagnon. Gagnon. I want to say Gagnon because it sounds... Have a look. Yeah, say Gagnon. Gagnon. Suzanne's tweet says, uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear three kind-hearted men talking about the real things in life. Two wonderful hosts, allowed Rufus Sewell, a man of integrity, sharing a very personal testimonial. His great generosity moved us. Oh, thank you, sir. Love to all you guys. Wow, what a no, nice it was lovely. Tweet. And Rufus was great. And I've had a few correspondence with Rufus afterwards. And uh, he's such a lovely guy. And we're going to try and hook up again yeah. at some point. So uh, He was great. 
This isn't the end of the Rufus story. <laughs> oh, leave us a little There'll cliffhanger there. will be a part there. two at some point in time. Well, Suzanne, thank you for your tweet. Um, if anyone else wants to tweet us, um, our handle is... At BlankPod. It is indeed. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook as well, if you want to find us now. And that's the same handle. It is, at BlankPod. Yeah. And you can email us if you would like to do that. Our email address is... TheBlankPodcast at gmail.com. Lovely. Uh, and that's it. Thank you so much for your tweets. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Ed Byrne for being this week's guest. Yeah, and it's really good to be back. So we will be back into our regular routine of a pod every Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that next week. But in the meantime, have a great week. Have a good week, Giles. You too. Thanks, mate. And we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.